Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a bodybuilder and an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist. Hey, folks. Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm a journalist, former editor at Muscle Mind International, former competitive bodybuilder, sometimes competitive powerlifter, and all-around strength enthusiast. And uh, yeah, it sounds like a little stuffed up today because I am. It's, it's, uh, it's as most of you know, I've moved um, further, out, much further out west in Canada in the last few months. And uh, it's much, much drier out here, and for some reason, this is really playing games with the old fortress mechanical system. Mm. Is it colder? Oh, well, substantially. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, are you much further north? Because Toronto actually isn't that far north. I mean, when I was in Minnesota, I don't think you were any further north than I was. Yeah, no, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, um, and I'm about halfway up. Province, it's about a half of the province. So it's, it's it's apparently it's the technically northernmost large city in North America. So there you go. Oh, yeah. So. Okay, but you like it cold. I mean, you don't the training everything. You don't really mind it. Oh, I have no problem with the cold. I could just do without. Like I said, it's, I'm going to have to buy a humidifier or something because this is getting out of control. <laughs> it's right. just right. It's, Your furnace is running twenty four seven. Yeah, it's, yeah. You got no not a not a whip of moisture in the air. Yeah. So, but it'll be okay. And like I say, uh, I'll I'll be certainly uh, thanking my lucky stars during the summer when it's. Uh, a dry heat because the the converse in Toronto is that uh, summers are notoriously humid, muggy as hell. So, yeah. so there'll be a payoff to that. But yeah, so here I am, and if I sound like I'm stuffed up, I'm because I kind of am. <laughs> so there. Well, I'm sure people are happy just to have you back on, brother. Cool. Uh, yeah, Phil is doing a charity meet today. Everybody, um, he mentioned it on our Facebook page, so he's obviously got his hands full with that. Uh, I know he had one bit of news that we'll probably save till next time. It's actually about bacon being healthy, so you find that funny. Um, yeah, who doesn't want to hear that, of right? Of course. So, yeah. uh, but I've got a, a, a bit of news here too. Strength and muscle sport news. Here's the first one. Um, this is January seventh, twenty thirteen, because we're uh, on the ball like that here at Iron Radio. Um, Red wine could mask testosterone levels, experts warn. Now, I heard about this through ISSN channels, the International Society of Sports Nutrition. Rick Collins, who's a lawyer that we've had on the show before. It was actually a very good show. Um, And here's how it starts. It says, red wine could give athletes and players a boost in the sports arena by increasing the amount of performance-enhancing hormone testosterone in their bodies, according to researchers from London's Kingston University. And they go on. It says Professor Naughton's team has referred its findings to the World Anti-Doping Agency because the newly discovered side effect uh, could change the amount of testosterone in the body. Now, I think this is immediately sending up red flags to me like, wait, so red wine's going to make me huge and jacked? Is that, is that what you're, you're thinking? Because I think this article is jumping the gun. Either this professor is 
or just the reporting of it is, it says compounds in red wine can reduce the amount of testosterone in the urine and give a boost to testosterone levels. And as I read further, I'm like, I know where this is going. Rob, I don't know if you remember, but ages ago in the early 90s when we were writing for uh, the paper magazine Peak, I wrote an article about how uh, quercetin or quercetin in grapefruit could interfere with liver enzymes and actually keep different hormones in your system. Yeah, right. Um, you know, adrenaline-like hormones or even testosterone potentially, and that's exactly where this is going. Um, the professor actually said this, um, Declan Naughton, he actually made the comment that there has yet to be a clinical trial on this. So I'm like, if there hasn't been a full clinical study, I'm not sure I'd be trying to get WADA, you know, the World Anti-Doping Agency, all excited about this anyway. Um, however, it says the results uh, were the same for red wine extracts in supplement form uh, and the active compound such as uh, quercetin or quercetin, however you pronounce that, are found in many foodstuffs as well as supplements. And again, yeah, grapefruit's a, a rich source of that. Onions have it. So as I started to read that, I'm like, oh, this, so this maybe isn't news. This is like pre-news. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. But it is interesting to think that if you want to try to save every milligram of testosterone in your bloodstream, you know, get yourself enough dietary fat, have yourself a glass of red wine and relax every once in a while, um, use onions when you cook. You know, maybe have some grapefruit juice on hand. The problem with some of these things, like grapefruit juice, of course, is that they reduce drug metabolism to such an extent that it can be dangerous. You can actually end up overdosing. And that's what people years ago who took antihistamines, they started overdosing on this. And that's how they really started to get the idea that this isn't just a scientific um, peculiarity. It's it's clinically relevant because what, what uh, good little patients were doing is taking their antihistamine every four hours like they should or – and it was building up in their system because the grapefruit was keeping it from breaking down. So they, their blood levels went up and up and up, and then they overdosed. Um, it is neat to think, though, that red wine, along with some of these other foods that I mentioned, could help raise testosterone or reduce its excretion. So I don't know how many listeners we have that actually use testosterone, but this even suggests that you know if you keep it in your body, it, it somehow reduces the amount appearing in the urine. Jeez. So... Anyway, so a little bit of, of stuff there. Uh, mildly entertaining. We'll see how that pans out. You know, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about, about a magazine here in Canada that I was almost uh, managing editor for, which was a couple years ago now. Iron Radio Review. Anyway, um, some of our Canadian listeners might have heard of Muscle Insider, which is uh, published in by Scott Welch. Anyway, Scott Welch and I have had kind of a checkered history, him and I, and I'm not going to suggest that uh, it's any less my fault than his or whatever, why him and I just never seem to be able to get along. But but you did buy a copy of an issue of the magazine. Recently. Well, it's free um, at s- some stores. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I, oh okay. Now, I he, didn't realize. Yeah, it's free. He, uh, he, he basically gets the supplement uh, advertisers to float the boat. But anyway... I picked up the most recent one, and just a couple observations, and this is not just particularly go out of my way to slam on the magazine or not, but um, when I when he was kind of courting me to kind of be uh, an editor at the magazine, he was saying that he wanted to only feature Mr. Olympias on the cover. Well, 
with this issue, that certainly is no longer the case. And and I kind of knew that was. I I told him I didn't think that was going to fly, just because I, I that how long can you keep that up for? But anyway, he has he now he's started to go you know within the little muscle insider font of the cover. He's got Scott Welch's muscle insider, so I guess he's taking a page, I guess, from the Robert Kennedy School of Muscle Publishing, but. Uh, Little self promotion yeah. there along with it. And he it, flaunts yeah. on the top of the magazine that it's Canada's number one muscle building magazine. Well, I don't know. As much as I kind of hate the trajectory of what's happened to Muscle Mag International in the last decade or so, that's kind of pushing it a little bit. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just not impressed, to be honest with you. It's uh, full of just columns from people who uh, call themselves things like the Supplement Godfather. And um, all the questions are clearly fabricated and the ma- magazine is nothing but supp- supplements really so well let's go back to that real quick yeah i think that's something that's funny that you and i started catching whiff of uh god when we were probably in our early 20s that the questions that are supposedly posed from readers they're completely fabricated and i'm not sure all the listeners you know get that well, of well, course they are well i right? i know because i used to write i used to write the questions at muscle mag <laughs> You know, and that's Muscle Mag, and that's a magazine that actually does get a lot of feedback. You know, back in the day, it was obviously like hard copy mail. But they're so, but they're either so poorly written or not very concise that it leaves you. It's more work just to try to patch something together from the authentic questions, right? I mean, yeah, and it's just, it's just, it's just that you know, I I know what he's Scott's trying to do, and I you know, I certainly don't wish him not well, but. I don't think it's working with this what he what he's got going on right now because it's just too supplement focused and it reads the whole thing reads like a big advertorial for all the companies that advertise in his magazine and it's nothing but supplements it's boring. Uh, there's no well, you did say they float the boat, right? So there's no training, there's no personality profiles. Um, apparently, it's the uh, it's the IFBB's official magazine here in Canada. It's got the little logo on it. I don't know. What that's all about, because they, you know, they're, the, they're their official cover of IFBB events, I guess, in Canada, whatever. But uh, okay. I don't know. I just, it's just, and again, again, this is just, a, you know, this is just subjective because maybe other people find this to be interesting, but it's got no life to it. It's just supplements, you know. And every column is based on asking, uh, you know, they replicate the same questions over and over again in every column. Uh, and it's all about just supplements, and I mean, you know, the whole cover is just the whole, every blurb on the cover actually is about whey, protein, and creatine, and all these kinds of things. You know, uh, you know, is, is your whey going your way? Or I, I can't even remember because it's not right in front of me right now. But the whole thing, there's, I mean, <laughs> there's so many bad. I, I was going to say this has been done to death like 15, 20 yeah. years ago, and I'm thinking to myself. I mean, are, are people really taking this shit seriously? Like, I mean, who cares about, you know, ultimately about these these fine differences in purity between this one-way protein and this, you know, it's just, it's all the same crap, you know? And, it, like, it doesn't make, it, anybody who knows anything in bodybuilding knows that ultimately this kind of stuff doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, and it's a whole magazine dedicated to it. And, you know, product reviews of the products that are advertised in the magazine and all this type of thing. And I just... uh Again, I'm not trying to be particularly harsh on the guy or anything like that or his magazine because, you know, certainly it's a professional as far as its presentation and so forth. It's just it really – it's certainly not Canada's best bodybuilding magazine by far, and that's even with my, you know, my uh, particular issues with how Muscle Mag has gone and so forth like that. But it's it really is a dry read. 
is just supplements and you know that that are being advertised. Like I said, it reads like a just big advertorial the whole thing. Well, dude, you're allowed to have your opinion. I mean, if it's dry, it's dry. I mean, one of the things that I always thought was interesting, and something Chris Shugart used to say was, even if you're going to write about supplements or nutrition, make it a story, you know, um, with preferably with something that somebody can try. Uh, at the end, or they're left with something at the end. But if there's no personality profiles, if there's no stories, and it's essentially a catalog with a bunch of pictures of bodybuilders, that just, to me, that just seems like every other magazine that's cropped up, and many of which have failed, of course, over the last umpteen years. I mean, go to the Arnold Classic just once, and you're inundated with these startup magazines. And I'm not saying Muscle Insider is still a startup necessarily certainly it is compared to muscle mag um but you know what i mean it's like where like you said it's dry where are the stories and nothing on training there's nothing on like i said it doesn't feature any personality there's no um gossip there's no it's just supplements and not just that but the same rote stuff that you know with the you know as we were alluding to earlier with the bad same bad puns that were used 15 20 years ago and it just I don't know how this can keep floating like this because I, I, you know, and, and I think it's kind of telling that, you know, where I've always seen it is in Popeye supplement stores here in Canada. So it just reads like a like a catalog, to be honest with you. That's that's right. very very thinly disguised as a as a kind of like a legitimate magazine. And I'm not as, suge- as journalism. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not really suggesting that some of the people in there maybe don't have, you know, their, their credentials and so forth because I'm sure, you know, I know that I know for a fact that some of them do and probably in their own way they probably all do. But they all seem to be feeding the same master, if that makes any sense in this context. You know, Well, let me I was going to ask you are the photographs good? I mean, do you think that he has access or the magazine has access to a, a massive uh Photography library? No, I would. I can be available. I I don't know. Photos that are used are are of good quality, but um, again, there's no depth to the photography either, right? I mean, people want to see things that are you know a little less than oh, there's you know um, the B shot from a series that I saw in Muscle Mag last month or this type of thing. I don't know. It just and like I said, I I, I'm probably going to get shit for this. Because um, I get shit for pretty much everything I do in this industry. Because <laughs> you're honest. Because I'm honest. Um, and like I say, this is not a personal attack on Scott, Scott Welch, beyond the fact that, again, him and I just don't see eye to eye on pretty much anything. I don't um, know. But like I there's uh, Let's face it. There's a lot of people in the industry who are they're so marketing-oriented. Uh, they would consider principled people simply naive. I've actually been told I was naive before um, from recruiters and people industry related and not that they have no idea the kinds of marketing versus scientist tables that I've sat around for some big corporations. And, you know, if you, if, well, what was it? Sagan said, skepticism doesn't sell, you know? And so when I say, well, what you've got going there isn't new or you don't know that, (laughs) you know, or that claim is exaggerated to the point of fallacy you know, they don't want to hear that. And so um, what they want to do is hit the the new crop. There's always a new crop of 16-year-olds, uh, you know what I mean, and or excited newbies of any age, really. And, you know, that's that's what they go for. Uh, but like like you said, just like the, the articles that promise two inches on your guns in four weeks uh, or the 99 ways to pun whey in whey protein, you know, way to go. The only way. I mean, there's... <laughs> It, you, it's tiresome. 
you know, it's tiresome. Yeah, I mean, and who needs, I mean, you look at all these companies, you know, and of course, guys like you and me, you know, the big ones, right? You look at the, you know, the, uh, the you know, the big supplement companies that have kind of were, were kind of the ones that kind of pushed the boundaries out in the 90s and so forth. And then you look at like this thing, which is reads like a catalog, and you see that it really hasn't slowed down the market for this shit. Like now, that's a good point, Rob. We have lost originally, right? And you and I ha- have tried to argue this with people who funded magazines before, but originally, the the idea of journalism was that you'd have to have a reason to pick it up. There, like if you pick up a Time or a Newsweek, even though advertisements are getting worse in everything, it seems like there's content. There's editorial content that's not another ad. And that seems to have been lost. I mean, the whole concept of you got to have a reason to pick up the magazine. The ads are something that readers tolerate because they want to look at a training program or look at some great photos of, of the blood, sweat, and tears backstage at the you know, recent competition, whatever it may, may be, you know, that sort of thing. There's got to be a reason to pick it up or how to prepare and eat well for a competition. Um, and instead, all of that stuff gets shrunk to literally zero, and there's nothing but advertorials and ads um, yeah. with the occasional column, I guess, like you said, with fabricated questions. But where's the content? Where's the beef? Well, I think, I think the part of the problem is um, – well, I, I won't even say it's a problem. It's just uh, – it's only a problem if his magazine goes belly up for him. But, I mean, the issue that I'm discussing is, like, even if you talk about, you know, the, the – um, you know the two personalities that we have and how we kind of chafe each other. We really do kind of, although we're both Torontonians, um, it's kind of where it starts and ends. You know, if you look at kind of his background in the industry and mine, um, you know, it came from a very kind of organic lifting background where his was always, you know, he did briefly, I think, nutrition at a, at a, at a college in Toronto, um, and he came from that background. You know, he was at Muscle. He was a head, you know, one of the big wiggies at Muscle Tech. And of course, I won't go into that because everybody who knows me knows how much you love those guys. Love those right? guys, and how much of a scam the company that is. That is. Um, well, it, he, or even what it did to your beloved magazine. Yeah. You know? So, but he came from that, and that whole he came from that kind of that vantage point. You know, like I kind of came from the kind of you know. Uh, bleed under the squat bar kind of background, um, you know, where where making money in the industry was, you know, Eureka, an idea that came so much later on, where it always, I always kind of got the impression that with him it was more of kind of a that was money first. It was kind of a very vanity ridden thing, and then kind of like the whole idea of marketing through it became kind of that you know was kind of a kind of what it was at the very beginning. So, right. and that's that's his background, and like I say, I don't would not wish him well. I hope. But I would strongly suggest, if if he is listening or somebody who is listening knows him, he needs to, I think, change the direction of where where that may is. In. A little bit of content, right? I mean, it's it, that's not a too shouldn't be too painful of a request. A little bit of uh, personality, like personal story from somebody, you know, some take home and usable stuff that's just about food or lifting. I mean, that's kind of what we do. But you know what? In this day and age, starting up a bodybuilding magazine is... I don't even know why he would want to do that. It's just, I mean, I mean, I know you and I have actually toyed with the idea in years past, many years past. But the fact of the matter is how you would even do that today, I don't know. Because you really are kind of... 
between a rock and a hard place. You can't really go anywhere unless you kind of go the direction that he's gone. And it, I, well, how many magazines are going? They're across genres are going belly up. You know, the paper magazine is just suffering badly. So digital subscriptions, I guess, with the uh, iPads might might save it to some extent. You know, but yeah, I mean, like unless you're a billionaire, you know, and it's just a hobby. A pet hobby kind of a thing that uh, you don't care if you you know make a lot financial losses every issue, <laughs> substantial financial losses. As soon as you as soon as you start that whole venture in today's climate, immediately you're left with pretty much one option, and that is to get in bed with the supplement companies. Yeah, and as soon right. as you do that, you're screwed. Because there's nothing, there's nowhere to go. I mean, well, they'll they'll control the content to the point that there there is no content. It's just ads, and that's the issue that I'm I'm discussing here right now. So, I don't know. I just thought I'd talk about that a bit because again, I just picked up this magazine. I was kind of just like, you know, I mean, the magazine is only maybe like you know a dozen issues in, and already I think it's just collapsing under its own weight of mediocrity and boringness. So, well, let me let me offer some related news then. Um, I just got a newsletter from the West Side guys, and they're doing a whole lot of stuff. Uh, one of which is. Uh, Louis Simmons is going to have a column in Flex magazine, and he was sort of gushing over the relationship with uh, you know West Side with Flex, and but, you know what a fine international publication. Can I just interject? Yeah. Can I just interject before you go on? How that seems like, you know, that would have been a good idea 15 years ago. Anyway, yeah, go on. Okay, <laughs> go, okay. go on. But anyway, yeah. well. It, Anyway, and you know that's fine. I mean, it is a high quality magazine, but again, with the concern over Weeder mags, you know, all of them seeming precarious. I'm well, not saying they're circling the green. Yeah, but, and don't forget that that Flex is not a Weeder magazine anymore, right? Because all those oh, all those mag- right. all those magazines several years ago were sold to a huge conglomerate okay. company. So I mean, it's not even you know, it's not even s- steered anymore. Those magazines are not even steered anymore by you know, okay, from a pure okay, at least. Gotcha. Anyway, go on, yeah. But he was very excited about that with the online column and the, and the written column. And uh, they were actually – he was talking about some of the totals that their lifters were putting up, and I was flabbergasted. I mean, <laughs> I could read off some of them here, uh, but I don't think I have it open, uh, readily available. But, I mean, the women in that gym are putting up totals that I would. I mean, like four four-something squats – Four-ish deadlifts, you know, um, three-something bench presses. Damn. Well, and and you're probably talking kilograms too, there, buddy. Oh well, I think the, I think he had the numbers in pounds. Okay, because um, I'm saying, like, make no mistake, a lot of the female lifters that are lifting in the federations for which Westside, you know, also lifts in, um, those women are lifting. Like again, with all the the support gear and stuff, those some of these women are lifting. I mean, it's not unusual now to see women doing four, five hundred pound bench presses and seven, eight hundred pound squats. Oh, outrageous! And it is well, outrageous. Yeah, and I, it's true. I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and uh, I would just encourage people to go look at their newsletter if you want to see some of these totals. But what the guys are putting up, all of you know, eleven hundred pound squats, just freaking outrageous. This, and again, this, we've talked yeah. a thousand times about gear. Let's face it; they're not afraid of drugs down there. Uh, you know, and that sort of thing. So I mean, no, there's it, a ton of stuff involved, but the numbers are just—they they were just ab- absurd. Well, that's why I always have been saying now for the last several years that, you know, despite my respect for Louis Simmons and like what he did for powerlifting, I think now on the other side of it, he's done equally as bad, if not worse, for the sport because 
because of all this stuff. I mean, and, and kind of that, you know, like when people think of, you know, highly drugged up, highly geared powerlifting, they kind of automatically start thinking things like West Side and that kind of thing. So, you know, and yeah, guys, they're, put, they're pushing 3,000 totals, you know, yeah. 3,000 pound totals. I mean, no, it's, 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 it's and like I said, this is just subjective. It's just my opinion, and I don't want people, you know, like freaking ninjas showing up at my house trying to freaking off me some night because I'm just saying my opinion. I doubt, I doubt the West Side Ninjas will get you. Yeah, right. yeah, cause, but you got to watch those <laughs> West Side Ninjas. But yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I, I honestly think that the sport of powerlifting has shot itself in the foot so badly. And I know there's a new movement that people talk about, you know, going back towards classic or raw, you know, i.e. raw powerlifting and so forth. But I, I think largely powerlifting has shot itself in the foot with, you know, because it's done so much damage to itself in the, within the last 15 years or so. I don't know. And again, I'm talking about a sport that I love and in, in which I compete. So um, I'm trying not to be a dick about it. And I'm certainly not, you know, uh, ripping on the dudes who are putting those kind of numbers up that you're talking about. But it's not the powerlifting that I love. It's cool. And it's it's almost like a circus sideshow. Um, it is somehow separated from reality in a way. And somebody can make the same argument with uh, even bodybuilding from you know the '90s, '80s, '90s era that that they were beyond what the average guy could do. But you know when you look at people like Zane or even Arnold, they had a certain reality to them, even though they had a, an air of um, celebrity to them. You know, but now there's there's a lot of the unreality, but not as much of the celebrity or personality. It sometimes, and again, I don't know the people in, that I was just looking at. You know, the individual names that I was looking at. It's just that, like you said, people almost get this vision of this dank, <laughs> scary place where, you know, completely drugged up, heavily geared people are are doing these, um, you know, very specific lifts. Well, um, like, you know, you that, talk, you know, you you would talk about a guy like Bill Kazmaier and to anybody who's a strength enthusiast, nobody questions within what parameters he was when he did any of his lifts. You know, I'm not, and of course he used some knee wraps and stuff like that, but anybody who knows anything will just be like, Bill Kazmaier was a horrifically strong man. Yeah. Now, a lot of these guys, if you do understand the strength sports and powerlifting specifically, you can't hear any of these numbers without immediately coming back with a question of, what federation was that performed in? What was he using? What was he wearing? What brand was he wearing? Well, was exactly. And, and so you kind of, again, it's like, you know, do, do people really think, I, I mean, I can guarantee you that a lot of these guys who are posting these 11, 1,200-pound squats, they would get shit kicked buried under seven, 800 pounds if they were taking a moderate stance, backing out of a rack, and wearing a belt. I mean, they'd get right. completely and utterly crushed. So right. you, you'd like to think that you'd, if you claim you're strong, and I understand what you're saying, and that's why I had trepidation even not having it in front of me, even reporting on individual numbers of what I read. It, it just seemed very unreal to me. But like you were saying, you'd like to see people like Kaz that they could demonstrate heroic strength in almost any circumstance, you know, with a big range of motion out in the field, um, in any gym you know what I mean? And not only yeah. under a very specific set of equipment and drug circumstances. Because, I mean, uh, we, we, again, I'm not saying he was clean. I'm oh, well, of course. And we all know he wasn't. And, 
you know, it's like we've we've had actually shows dedicated to this in the past about in the past about how, you know, in reality, you know, uh, human absolute strength performance has really inched itself along in the last several decades, um, like very small increments. And we actually had a guest several months ago that came on and actually said flat out that he doesn't think human absolute strength is is, is improved one iota in the last three or four decades. That's right. A very qualified yes. guest. That was Marty. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So so you look at these guys and you think, okay, in the last, you know, like, and again, we've talked about this, but in the last 10, 20 years, you go, you know, it's, it's, I would rather see a guy like Kaz, who is still gassed to the nines, you know, right. with yep. moderate gear, squat 800 pounds the way he used to squat it, than ever, you know, see some guy with 1,236 pounds on his back doing it in the manner they're doing it, because they're not even squatting anymore. It's a back lift, you know? Yeah. It's almost, it, this gear lifting with the extremeness of the monolift and the stances being so wide and the bars being so far back and the gear and so forth, it's almost hearkening back to the Paul Anderson days where he would actually be performing in circuses and do what they would call a back lift. Mm-hmm. It's not even a squat anymore. I can tell you, if you go to Tom Platts right now and you show him some of these squats, pretty much all the squats in those federations, he would be like, that's not a squat. No Olympic weightlifter would ever say that's a squat. There does seem to be a, a lack of range of motion. And again, I'm not a powerlifting expert. And I, you know what? I tend to like um, the history of what I've known about Westside. But the email that I just got was every, uh, it seemed like every other line was, we're just about breaking world records. We're just about breaking world records. And, and he said that to me right to my face. He said that, that he doesn't give a rat's ass about making some guy elite, you know, post-elite numbers. You know, elite being, you know, like a, a category in powerlifting for those who don't know that. Um, all they care about is busting records. And it's it's kind of destroyed a lot of this thing. And it's like, when I think of squat, I think of the other old school way of, you know, refer, referencing that exercise. And you know what I'm talking about, Lonnie, a deep knee bend. You know, a deep knee bend is an old school way of referring to the exercise that is now commonly called a squat. These guys are not doing anything close to a deep knee bend. Um, like I say, it's a, it's more of a back lift. So it's just become its own sort of thing. And let me let me follow up with this too because we, we need to get to break here shortly. But they have a new supplement line. They um, it's called Westside Performance Nutrition. And sometimes I'm bothered by this because right because most of these quote-unquote nutrition lines, they're not about nutrition at all, right? I'm a nutritionist, trust me. What is nutrition? Well, it's proteins, carbs, and fats, vitamins, minerals, water. That's the six nutrients your bodies need. You know. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there's phytochemicals and different other plant substances that, are, that can help in, you know, with, with human health or change hormonal activity or enzymes in your body. Great. Okay, I'll give you that. But they either their first supplement or... One of their first supplements is actually uh, Fenibut. Um, and if people aren't familiar, this is – well, here, I get the label in front of me. It says sleep, cognition, recovery, mood, strength, and relaxation. So they're selling – it's a product's called Escape, and it's a 250-milligram dose. Um, now, 
what phenobut is, that's an abbreviation of the term, uh, which is just, it's phenyl GABA is what it is. And listeners might be familiar with GABA, gamma amino butyric acid, or GHB was in the news in the early 90s. You know, people were taking it as like a club drug because it almost creates a trance-like state. But the point is, these are sort of um, metabolic and nervous system depressants to the point that if you overdo it, you know, it'll slow down your metabolic rate and you get very groggy and your breathing gets depressed if you take too much. Or for God's sake, if you accidentally were to combine this with the wrong um, antidepressant med or alcohol or something like that. But I'll tell you, I, I have mixed feelings about it because, one, they're not just selling another whey product. That makes me happy. I mean, whey is a good protein, but like you said and, and I said, it's, it's been beaten to death. Um, and they're coming out with something that's pretty straight up sort of a central nervous system drug-like supplement. Um, and uh, like I think I mentioned, cosmonauts uh, have used it. It was a big Russian kind of thing. A lot of the research is, is in Russian um, because it, it crushes anxiety and it helps you sleep. And what this got me thinking was, again, with a group that's, you know, admittedly uh, from them, not, uh, you know, afraid of using all kinds of anabolics. Like, why would they want to take um, a depressant like that? I mean, are their nervous systems so hyped up from other stuff that they can't rest and recover? Or is it uh, probably something related to growth hormone release, which some of these um, GABA-related, you know, substances uh, apparently, you know, tickle the pituitary and cause growth hormone release. So maybe that's the angle uh, for why they're selling it. But like I said, either their first one or one of the first quote-unquote nutritional products they have is Phenobut, and I couldn't believe it. So, yeah. um, and you know, it's it's... I, I I didn't even know that information until you just told me, and you know about the whole thing and that the West Side doing their own supplement. And I I gotta say, as soon as you said that, oh West Side with their new supplement line, colossal yawn from me. Like you know what I mean? Like I mean, if if you could see him, I just oh here we go again, another supplement line. Does the well, like you said. That's where the money comes from in the fitness industry. There's not enough in fitness equipment and doodads. It's in the, you know, the supplements. And so the companies that are involved in fitness, it's very hard for them not to get into the supplement part of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. I'm not, of course, I'm, you know, not an expert on really any other industries outside of maybe music for anything, but I can't, it's hard for me to imagine any industry. So waterlogged with just been there, done that bullshit, like the fitness, bodybuilding, you know, physique enhancement industry. It's like you said, you use a phrase, you know, been beaten to death. It has been beaten to death. This is so done. Like, it's just, and, and I mean, of course, somebody eventually is going to discover something somewhere and all that type of thing. But as it exists right now, it's just, it's just so done. <laughs> I don't even know. Well, I will say this. Uh, now, if people want to check out Westside Performance Nutrition, I'm not giving an ad for it, but there's a – right away you see this escape product, and, and there's pills all over the place, bottles and pills and stuff. And, okay, fine, whatever. You know, I'm not afraid of that stuff. Um, but, you know, if you go look at some of the bloggers and people that are talking about this, um, you could tell that this was an old Russian drug that was sort of – it's not approved as a pharmaceutical in the U.S., you know, and it's one of those sort of gray area, gray market kind of things, and it's edgy. Um, but then you hear about some of these bloggers saying that they've they've had withdrawal symptoms, 
like whether they were using it for GH release or to, to relax and sleep, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Because, you know, some, some of these products, frankly, they have what's on the label that they, they say they're being sold for is not really. People are using it for the off-label reasons of growth hormone release or as an anabolic agent or, or you know, whatever. Um, but people talk about getting withdrawal uh, of sort of the opposite. So instead of an anxiolytic you know, calming effect, you know, when you remove this, apparently there's some level of physical dependency, at least that's what some of these blogs are suggesting, and people are getting very anxious and agitated and sleepless and, you know, and that sort of thing. So I I just think it was an interesting move out of them. That's all I'm going to say that, damn, you know, they're they're coming out of the gate with their quote-unquote nutrition product that's really not nutritional at all. It's an old Russian drug. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you look at the – like, well, first and, first of all, the original West Side, of course, was on the West Coast and wasn't had nothing to do with Louis Simmons. Uh, most people don't know that. But when Louis kind of took up the mantle of the, of the name because it was a historical name in, you know, very, you know, elite strength circles, you know, even Lonnie, you and I had seen – um, what was apparently the second place that Louis moved to, and now it's not there anymore either. I mean, they've they, you know they've really ch- branched out to become you know, and, and good for him because you know I'm, I'm sure Louis at some point, you know, Louis was probably thinking to himself, you know, like I mean, everybody's becoming rich off you know things that I'm kind of um, you know uh, pioneering and so forth. But me, so in that regard, you can't blame the guy. But from a purist standpoint. Uh, like like I am and you are, you kind of get sad when you see it, right? Because, I mean, as the places that you and I, you know, the gym that you and I saw, Lonnie, all those years ago, um, again, which was the second place that he ever had, it was just so meat and potatoes. There was nothing commerce about this place. It was dirty. It was ratty. There was no money. You could look at the place and know that there was no money there. Um, you know, it was just, now. Yeah. now he's, like I say, from one side, I think, well, good for him, you know, but from the other side, I think, well, you know, maybe he's pushing it a little bit too far that way now because, you know, like he now gets supper. I will give you that, Rob, because this um, this newsletter that I got, it feels very professional and happy and and polished. And that's not the way I've always pictured Louis, frankly. He's gruff. He's honest. He's brutal, you know, and not, um, you know, on behalf of the whole staff, we'd like to welcome you to a very happy 2013. It just feels very, and maybe that's the price of success. I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and you know the the thing to it also is like it's um, like you're saying about the grittiness. I mean, like, and you can look at other uh, other sports where this has become the reality. You know, you look at things like tap out or affliction or all these types of things. I mean, you know, what started off as a very grassroots, organic, you know, bunch of you know, kind of has become just such a corporation that now you see every 22-year-old guy walking around with tribal tats or tats of some description. I mean, yeah. tattoos have just, I can't speak for the U.S., but tattoos in Canada, and I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's the same in the U.S. Oh, it is. It's it just tattoos. Everybody's got tattoos. Everybody has got tattoos. Every woman has got tattoos. Everybody's got tattoos. You know, and every and for a while there, every guy had an affliction shirt. Every guy had a tap out shirt. Every guy was training MA. You know, MMA. Every and it it just becomes it just waters it down so much that you to actually find the purity of it, you have to actually go really put effort into looking at it. And 
do I think that powerlifting in the context that, you know, the original West Side, you know, was kind of trumping, it's going to become like that? No, because I think it's, you know, its marketability is so much more limited than something like mixed martial arts. But still, right, yeah. still, at some point, you're at some level, you're thinking, you know, like it's like that phrase, right, that was coined from the old uh, Happy Days episode when, you know, Fonzie jumped the shark, <laughs> and now it's become part of the vernacular of modern pop culture. Yeah. You know, when something yeah. is, you know, quote-unquote sold out, it's jumped the shark. Well, guess what? West Side has jumped the shark, folks. I mean, and, and when that happens, you know, for guys like you and me, it's almost like it's a sad day, man. You know, it's a sad day. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to offer a, a freebie, um, something that I just found on the Internet that you might find interesting. And then we're going to um, have a topic of the day which has to do with leaning out. It's sort of we're heading into the time of the year where the whole industry, and again, it's become cliche to Rob and I maybe, but the whole industry, is their thoughts are turning from sugar plums dancing in your head to you know six packs <laughs> dancing on the beach. Oh, God. <laughs> so anyway, we'll talk about leaning out a little, and it has to do with a, a listener uh, question. Right. So we'll be back in a minute. Yeah. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the protein and resistance exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. US As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history and strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter 2 on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. Weekly Fix of Iron Radio, in addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, 
We are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, listeners, it's Fortress and Lonnie. We're back. Um, after getting sort of sidetracked there, just talking about magazines and what's happening in the industry and everything else, I'm going to offer one uh, little freebie here, and then we're going to talk about our topic, which is partly listener-generated, about uh, getting lean. Um, but what I wanted to offer was an app. It's sort of an app. Um, the Office of Dietary Supplements, if you're not aware, it's sort of the federal branch of the government, the part of the National Institutes of Health, and the ODS, as they call themselves, um, they're sort of a clearinghouse for information on dietary supplements. And they have a new app, and I'll just read this to you quickly. It says, the Office of Dietary Supplements has developed a free mobile app for consumers called My Dietary Supplements, MyDS. MyDS gives you, and there's a few bullets here, an easy way to keep track of the vitamins, minerals, herbs, and other products that you take right in the palm of your hand. Also, access to science-based, reliable information on dietary supplements, and finally, general information about the Office of Dietary Supplements, who we are and what we do. So what I think is interesting, though, is it says MyDS, this app, is not available in app stores. Instead, use this link to access it. So it's an app, yes, but it's sort of something that you would bookmark on your phone and go click in to use. Um, so it works like an app, but it's sort of a web page, I guess. Um, anyway, the... Um, the link is sim simple. It's just myds, myds.nih.gov, and that's it. So you could check that out if you want. I, uh, give us feedback if you want. Post something on our Facebook page uh, and let us know how useful it actually is. I think it could be interesting. It says simply enter the names and the amounts of your dietary supplements, and they'll be stored for your use anytime, anywhere. You know, You might be able to get some feedback on them. But again, um, the way the supplement industry works, I don't know if these guys are going to – their database is going to be playing catch-up. Science in general just plays catch-up, you know. But uh, the ODS does have some um, – you can follow them on Twitter. I do uh, just for sort of news on these sorts of things as they come along. Um, you might be hard-pressed to find something like Fenabut, you know, that Westside is now selling on their list. But who knows? There's probably stuff on GABA or GHB, which are similar. So um, anyway, there you go. Now, Rob, you had um, – that listener mail, we're going to keep anonymous, right? Right, yes, yes. Okay, let's hear that. So, again, we get lots of uh, listener feedback, questions, comments, uh, and we appreciate it and keep doing it because we love it. Um, we got one here from a gentleman listener of ours, a brother uh, with the initials MH. How's that? So he probably will know who we're talking about when we read his letter here. So, anyway, he's... Uh, Loves the show. He just started listening six weeks ago. Uh, keeps him, helps him keep him motivated for his workouts. Anyway, so I'm going to read the rest of the question. I have accumulated some excess fat due to some personal issues not allowing me to continue my training. However, I've been back at it and have gotten back to being able to work really hard in the gym over the past two years. Now he's working on cutting or fat loss, and he, he has a question about his pre- and post-workout meals. I'm trying to monitor my diet and carbohydrate intake. I've done some research, and a lot of sources have stated about doing a 2-to-1 carb-to-protein ratio post-workout. 
I have followed this in my quest to regain my strength and gain muscle mass. I also feel like I have a much better workout if I have a reasonable dose of carbs before my workout. My question is, should I change these practices for fat loss? My main concern is that my workouts and strength will suffer. This is his main concern. Anyway, thanks for any help uh, we can give him. So what do you think, Lonnie? Well, Rob and I have both dieted for bodybuilding competition. So one thing I will say is this. Uh, make sure that you are stagnated before you start to change too much. I mean, a two-to-one mix of carbs to protein, that's not unreasonable. A lot of endurance athletes will go all the way up to four-to-one. And it depends on your age and some other things, too. I mean, middle-aged guys, maybe lighter on the carbs, you know. But usually a two-to-one ratio of carbs to protein, or even a one-to-one, you could start to get down that close, like maybe, you know, 200 carbs and 200 protein sort of thing. Now, if you do cut carbs and fats out of your diet aggressively, it increases your protein needs. Um, but usually that's built in with enough safety. I mean, if you're eating a gram per pound of protein, that's a surplus amount of protein. Anyway, you slice it, even if you're cutting carbs and fats pretty much. I mean, I don't think even somebody, like I weigh, like I was 217 the other day. So, I, I mean, more than 220, 250 grams of protein starts to become really absurd, uh, no matter how much you eat, I, in my opinion. Um, and most researchers would say even what I'm suggesting at a gram per pound is definitely excess. Um, so things to think about. But let me just run down your options, and Rob, you can weigh in on any one of these things. When you're, when you're trying to lean down, diet is, in fact, one. But before you immediately say, I need to restrict more, you know, like maybe drop it from two to one with the carbs to one to one um, with the carbs and protein, you basically have fixed options. Anybody who wants to get lean, you've got to think about these programming parameters, right? You can restrict food. Okay, we're, we're there. We got that. You could add cardio. Well, you could add cardio either outside of your workout, after your workout, uh, or you can even burn extra calories during a workout by simply doing more sets. Now, I've always been a fan of keeping the weights heavy and keeping the cardio separate, right? I don't want to do a bunch of uh, circuit training kinds of things. I'd rather um, you know, use heavy weights to build muscle and then do cardio outside of that, which is why you see a lot of bodybuilders doing like pre-breakfast uphill walking on a treadmill and things of that nature. Uh, I've heard that called bro science or gym science. Trust me, there is very real science about medium-paced, non-panting kinds of cardio. I've done it myself to get down to about 4 or 5% body fat. Uh, so As, as um, have I. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's old school, but there is real science behind it. And I could actually show you, in fact, I wrote an article on T Nation about two years ago, specifically showing the metabolic cart data about how I was burning like 95% fat or, you know, very large percentage of fat by doing it in the morning before I had anything to eat and my insulin levels were so low. So there's slow cardio uh, outside of the workout. There's fast cardio. You want to do like interval work. Uh, some people are very into that. Now, I do think there's been this bandwagon, though, in recent years that you can do all the sprint work you want and you're never going to lose any mass. And I just think that's nonsense. Um, and I'll tell you why. Is if you, if you are lifting heavy three times a week, four or four times a week, in the gym, bodybuilding, or powerlifting style. And then you go spend hours a week outside of that period doing a lot of, you know, not just accessory work, but sprints and sleds. And you, unless you are eating a copious amount of calories and you're on drugs, you're never going to get really huge. You're just not. And, you know, I think, Rob, you're going to agree with that. Oh, absolutely. No question. 
Form, form, form so, becomes function, for sure. Exactly. So I think the, these guys who get they're, – they're so down on the light cardio, the non-panting stuff, uh, they, they forget that they, – I'm not talking about like jogging at a marathon pace or a 10K pace. I'm talking about walking, and people will say, well, that doesn't even feel like a workout. Well, precisely, it's not a workout. Your heavy workouts, you're keeping all your energy for the weights later in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, so or or you know, you do some of this uh, light uh, uphill walking after you do your weights, perhaps, which could be a good time to burn a fat as well. But anyway, the point being is um, there's lots of these options, and you have to be careful because if you're not careful, you're going to restrict so much and you're going to add so much non-heavy weights um, that you're going to become a cross trainer. You're going to look like a cross trainer, like you just you just said, Rob. Form follows function. Uh, so I guess that's that's all I can say. Now, Rob, I don't know what your thoughts are, but you, like you said, you always did the old school outside of the workout treadmill when you got ripped, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, and I always, uh, always followed that advice even when I was giving it to young guys or anybody, for that matter, who was looking to lean out. I'd always say, you know, like... Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad idea to maybe increase what you know what what Joe Weider used to call one of his you know training principles, the quality training principle, where you'd actually you know decrease rest between sets. Certainly, that type of thing also can be beneficial, but but still within the parameters of training heavy, you know, or, or to a degree of heaviness, or you know. But yeah, keep it separate, and even right up to the show, yeah. right? I mean, I would I would like to keep the last time I competed, I think I squatted 405 two weeks out. Yeah. <laughs> And you might think, well, for a bodybuilder, you don't have to do that. Well, I mean, to, to you powerlifter guys, that's not a lot of weight. To me, that's a lot of weight. Uh, but I, the point is, I tried to keep the weights pretty much heavy all the way through instead of doing what a lot of bodybuilders do, which is what I consider a cross-trainer approach. They add sets and reps in the gym, or you know, and they do it to such an extent, they're, they're doing umpteen sets of 15 repetitions because they think that's going to make them toned, whatever that means. <laughs> And it's like, listen, your body's either building muscle or it's burning fat. And I like to do those at two different times of the day or at least do the fat burning after I spend my resources, you know, in the gym itself. Um, Now, I will say this, and I've said this in in months past when people have asked, when I start to transition, like from the off-season that maybe all of us have just had, (laughs) a lot of us, to an on-season ripping phase, I do like to spend a period of about three weeks where I will do – H-I-I-T, you know, high-intensity interval training, um, by just doing bike or treadmill or elliptical sprints, like 30 seconds all-out sprint, and then maybe three minutes coasting. Then 30 seconds all-out sprint, three three minutes coasting. And when you do that, you can actually get something on the order of a 15 20% jump in mitochondrial mass, and that's good, right? All those fat-burning furnaces in your cells. So, again, if you've been training just two or three times a week through the fall, eating huge amounts of food, you're very deconditioned. I like taking that two to three weeks to sort of transition, to tell your body, hey, it's time to build some fat-burning furnaces in those cells. So then when you do start to do your mild cardio, um, you know, you've got enough fat-burning furnaces to actually enhance the right, effect, right, yeah. I guess. So, um, I don't know. What about uh, how did you do your diet, Rob? Now we, you've probably talked about this many months in the in the past, and we're, we don't have a lot of time left. But um, did you just b- pull fifty grams of carbs out every week or two, or how did you progress the diet? Do you remember? You know what? I was always just very much. I kept everything just separate. I just compartmentalized everything, and so, but it was all obviously it was geared towards the same. You know. 
the same goal. So when, at the end of the day, I would just take each component and manipulate it slightly towards the ultimate goal. And so, you know, that might or might not sound scientific or technical at all, because really on both sides of the fence, it really isn't, isn't technical at all. Because really, you're saying when I pull 50 grams out. Well, I never really counted at all. I never counted anything. Really, mm-hmm. I would just train my, you know, excuse my language, balls off, which I normally do anyway. Um, you know, do the kind of cardio you're referring to, um, mm-hmm. and then just eat clean, everything clean, and lots and lots of it. And I would stay very, very static with what the actual intake of what the actual sources were. So therefore, I always had an idea of like what what I wanted to maybe you know pull out or put in or adjust you know a specific amount. Not again, not actually counting it, but you know just like instead of having you know just for an example, right, two potatoes, I'll have one and a half potatoes, kind of thing, right? So, and I would just look at the mirror, right? Really, and look at the mirror and look at my training, look at my strength. Actually, Rob, I think that's smart. I mean, that's a controlled experiment. If you change too many things at once, you have no idea what's helping or hurting your progress. Yeah. And that was you my know. whole. So you're yeah, like, that was my whole idea, you know, and it was just, it was just, yeah. and I use strength, and again, I've always been strength-oriented, but I always use strength as a, as a guide as well, because my, to my way of thinking, of course, you're going to lose some strength as you're losing, you know, a lot of body weight, but I always had, a, you know, an idea in my mind that if it was fluctuating too extremely, then I was actually, lo- I was either losing too fast, not eating enough, because, you know, let's face it, like if you're a bodybuilder, as much as, a, you know, contemporary bodybuilding has kind of, you know, pushed itself away from anybody, a lot of these guys even giving a shit about how strong they are, muscle is movement. And if I was, if my workouts were going to shit, it didn't really matter to me how, you know, good or not good I was looking in the mirror, it was still unacceptable. So, I agree. Well, I think that's good advice. That's going to be like iron advice then because both of us are I, – I try to keep my weights up. You monitor your strength. You know, you don't want to go into the last umpteen weeks of a – let's say you have a 20-week diet. I've tried 24-week diets, you know, six-monthers. That's a little too long. Some guys try 12 to 16-week diets. I think that's too short. So a 20-week diet I've really evolved to think is perfect, which by, means, by the way, if you want to be lean for the summer, you're, you're starting now, kids. <laughs> We're starting, you know, January, February – March, April, because it, it's a protracted thing, but the point being is you don't want to spend the last four or six weeks of that 20-week diet doing lightweight stuff and losing all your strength, because like you know, Rob and I are telling you, you're going to lose muscle mass. Right, so, and, and, and again, I was always about performance anyway, so, and, my, and I always wanted to my physique to reflect my ability to, be, to, to perform um, in that capacity, and so it didn't really matter to me to a certain degree, to a certain degree, you know, how lean I was getting if I found that my workouts were going to crap because I always fundamentally found that the workout was the thing that I loved. So my whole thing was always you know, make sure that the performance is there and the physique will reflect that. And sometimes that will require a little bit of a longer gap, you know, time, maybe, you know, more than eight or ten weeks or whatever it is. But it always worked for me, you know, and... Like I say. Oh, you know, Fortress, before we we, um, we wrap up here, because we need to, um, he mentioned post-workout, too. I don't want him to think we're not addressing his question specifically. Right, but, right. So I'm talking about two-to-one or one-to-one carbs throughout the course of a day. There was usually two times I would always try to get some carbs. One at breakfast, because if I don't have a little bit of oatmeal or some kind of slow-acting carb, um, 
I just feel like I don't have the energy to train later. Some people do. Uh, I never did. So if you can get away with just protein for breakfast, you know, okay, give it a try. Uh, again, I always like to have that little bit of oatmeal to get my day started because it sort of sets the whole biological clock. Um, and then, you know, sometime around the workout. Um, but if you're going to pull one out, I would actually suggest um, maybe just trying, and this is blasphemy for some people, but just protein uh, after you work out, you know, 20 grams of whey or some fast-acting protein. Heck, you could even mix in an extra 10 grams for a total of 30 uh, during the workout and something juicy. Um, but, you know, then you're just basically trickling in the protein um, and cutting back. You don't have to go two to one on the carbs afterwards. I do usually like to do that, though, because that's when you're going to readily replenish your muscles and have the energy for tomorrow to train again. Exactly. That's the, yeah, that, and, no. yeah and, and that's that's... That's something that was worth mentioning. I'm glad you did mention that because um, if, if if I've ever found anything in regards to the things that we're talking about right now, it's that yes, if if you you because people always think about today, but they don't think about tomorrow. And if you're you know if you're progressing towards something, whether it be you know pure strength or bodybuilding more specific, you have to always consider that this is an evolving process, and you always have to be thinking down the road. So the workout today might have been great, but you have to think that you're probably going to have to be in the gym within the next couple of days anyway. So you know, and, and it's it, I, as I've said for years and years. If you're thinking about your energy, you know, accumulating your energy reserves the day of a training session, you've already missed the boat because that starts yeah. days before. So, so yeah, and you so you have to consider that you can you know so oh post workout I'll just have uh, protein. But if you're a hard training guy, a real hard training guy, you got to be thinking you know it, down the road and down the road is it's it, it, down the road is going to come up real and. And when you're that deep, when you, once you get deep into a diet, you're strung out, brother. So, you know what I mean? So be very careful. Maybe early in the diet phase when you're, you're not quite as lean and small, you know, you could try just some protein after a, a couple of workouts. Maybe the next morning oatmeal will, will be enough. I wouldn't do that for more than a couple of days in a row. I've seen people too aggressively pull carbs out of their diet and even guys that yes. use anabolics and are huge drop yeah, 50 pounds yeah. of muscle mass because they pulled the carbs out too fast. Carbs are pro muscle protein sparing. I know you hear a lot of bro science one way or the other, but you've got to be very careful how aggressively you pull those carbs out. Yeah. So just if you do it like do it like Rob said, do it in a very controlled way. Say, I'm just going to try the diet manipulation this week. I'm going to drop to a one-to-one -one carbon protein either in the morning at breakfast or after the workout. Uh, maybe neck, you know, and if you're too fatigued, put the carbs back in and try the cardio side of things, yeah, you know, or add a couple of sets of, of finishing work or something. And you know, if I could, if, if I could just leave with one thing and kind of going back full circle because we were talking about supplements in the early in the podcast, um, you know, I think the advent of a lot of these, you know, more you know, more specific pure like whey protein type deals has really put a crimp in a lot of bodybuilders because I, I mean, you you've seen it and I've seen it, Lonnie. Like these guys who. Yeah, sure, they get lean for a competition, but they don't just lean out and lose fat. They're literally half the size that they were when you saw them, you know, four months ago in the gym. I mean, it's it's not bodybuilding. You know what I mean? It's, I knew a guy who Rob. He was he was two fifty five and he competed at, as a middleweight. And those of you who are familiar knows, you know, I, I'm talking about a guy. He's like one hundred and seventy five pounds. Yeah, no, it's it, ridiculous. It, it, just, it is ridiculous. So. And I, and I have to believe a lot of that has to do with the, this whole kind of like, you know, preoccupation with, you know, everything being just, you know, protein, 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 protein. 
So, so many people think, well, I'm just going to eat protein all the damn time. You know what I mean? And that'll lean me out, and I'll have hold on to all my muscle mass, and there it is. There's there's the magic bullet. And uh, you said, Lonnie, uh, and you've said this so many times over the show. You know, I mean, you you might have the workers and all that, but if you don't have the if you don't have the materials to build the wall, the bricks, the, the fuel, yeah, it's it's hopeless. And I think that's the boat that's been missed by a lot of these guys. You know, because you can go to these supplement stores and all this. And you can get the bars and the drinks and the pro and the mixes and stuff. And you can say, oh, well, screw it. Because I went through this phase myself many, many, like 20 years ago, where you start thinking to yourself, well, screw it. I'll just eat protein and I'll just eat. Like- it is true, Rob. I think we've lost something. Uh, and again, we're over now. But uh, we've lost a little bit of something here where we rely so much on thermogenics and pre-workout stimulants. You know, And I think they have their place. Some people would argue they're, they're requisite, and I waffle on that. But the point is we focus so much on the, the thermogenics and dropping all the carbs out and just eating protein. You forget that, guys, in the old days, you know, the, some of these practical things we're telling you, like let yourself have a yam here or there or some oatmeal in the morning. These are tried and true things. You know, they're going to work. They're going to give you that little bit of fuel that, you know, Rob was saying can be lacking. Uh, all you got is building blocks and there's no fuel. You know, simply having enough energy to start your day and to replenish after an exhaustive workout, especially when you're strung out, you know, 12, 16 weeks into a diet. These are just very practical things, and you could choose to ignore us, but you, you'll you be small. <laughs> you'll be small at the end. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. All right, so that's that's the show for today. And yep. uh, we'll look forward to uh, having you all join us again next week for another uh, edition of Iron Radio. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best this is the ultimate source in one place little disclosure here i do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book 
It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.